Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Your company is trying to grow a constructive culture. You're on board, you're enthusiastic, but your manager isn't. What can you do? My name's Dominic Gawley, and I'm joined by Sean McCarthy. Hi, Dominic. And Liana Sangster. Hi, Dom. So what can you do if your manager's not on board with it? Well, uh, you could throw them under the bus. No, we wouldn't advise that. <laughs> we do not advocate violence. We do, do not advocate. <laughs> so we were having a discussion about this as a couple of probably two different lenses you could look if your business is going through change. One question is how do we, what sorts of structures or support would you put in place to support individuals going through change, be it at employee through to manager, senior manager level. Mm. And then there's the more personal individual, how do you deal with a boss or a manager who is, let's say, not leading consistently with where the business wants to go? And so I guess uh, on that, one of the things I encourage individuals to do if they're starting to observe these behaviours that are inconsistent with what the business is, I guess, is, is encouraging is to start to empathise, first point, with what's going on for those individuals because with empathy and understanding is where you can create common ground, if you like. You don't know what you don't know. So if this is a question from an individual, I would start to build that relationship closer with that leader to understand what it is that's the pressure being put on that person to be behaving in this way because people don't do things without a reason. I think that's a really interesting point and and one that sometimes gets missed is defensive behaviors and styles kind of aren't all bad, right? There's a reason people do them. You know, no one wakes up in the mornings thinking I'm going to be a real prick today because that's what <laughs> I enjoy doing, right? So fundamentally, there's a belief often deep down that's actually quite a positive belief. So you know, if we look at kind of some of the passive behaviors, it's about, hey, I want us all to get on and be harmonious. That's not a bad driver, right? The problem mm. is how it can come out. So there's a, there's a payoff and a trade-off, as, as Matt Croxford would talk about. So, you know, you get something from doing these styles. You get something from being aggressive, right? It works for some reason. But there's also a downside. So with aggressive styles, it's often, you know, you harm relationships and whatnot. Mm. Mm. So I guess it's keeping in mind, is what you're saying, is that, you know, people doing these behaviors might have a have a reason for doing so. Yeah, and sometimes there are even greater pressures coming above that they're not familiar with. Not that it excuses, you know, really aggressive behaviours that have implications for people, but starting to broaden your understanding of why it might be the way it is can help kind of even the playing field, so to speak. Do you think as well, I think sometimes on these change journeys that companies go into, you know, hey, we're going to change, we're going to be this way. And Look, some people change at different speeds, right? It takes some people are right on board from day mm, dot. Mm. I'm all in. Let's do this. Some people take longer, and I think particularly for leaders and senior leaders, often people are looking straight at the top and saying, "Well, you know, that guy, that girl hasn't changed, you know, so therefore I kind of don't believe it." And I guess it's understanding that leaders or managers are people too. Yeah. They're not yeah. machines that just kind of turn on a dime and change their I mean, ways. I, I think one of the fundamental beliefs that people should have themselves is compassion goes a long way. And so we talk about and we describe these behaviours as aggressive, defensive and passive defensive. 
And everybody hears the words aggressive and passive but forgets about the word defensive. So if I'm being aggressive, defensive in my managerial leadership style, I'm defending myself somehow. So rather than saying this person is an asshole or whatever else expression might be used, is to sort of assume, let's just assume that the person has the best intentions. They are just going about it the wrong way. And so in my experience, I've found with managers who are overly aggressive, aggressive, defensive, they're trying to, quote, drive performance, but they're just going about it the wrong way. So they're going about it in an authoritarian, critical, pushy, overly challenging, making it almost impossible for you, setting up competitions which are uncomfortable kind of way. And it's a way of, it's sort of a slow dialogue with this person about it's not so much what you're trying to achieve that's happening, it's hurting, it's how you're going about it. So there are alternate ways of going about it. So I think an important part of this discussion is that there, and I think Liana alluded to this at the beginning of her comment, is that there's sort of like organisational things that can be done and there are personal things that can be done. So on the personal things, if we just finish that out, you know, if if it's your manager, yeah. what can you do? What should you be doing in that situation if, if your manager's kind of stuck in a defensive mindset for whatever reason and you've understood it perhaps, but kind of now what for you? Well, probably it's funny, right? I was having a conversation with someone the other day and he made the comment that uh, in his business, the your propensity for challenging a leader is correlated directly to the size of your mortgage. <laughs> so if it were, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, so <laughs> each individual is going to have a different spectrum in which they're going to play around in terms of challenge based on their own personal experience or their own personal need for security. And so I kind of lead off with that because every individual is different. One of the things that I would work with individuals on if they are committed to the organisation, if they're committed to the organisation and, and they, they feel like they want to work with this one place is to get clear on what are your objectives? What is it you want to achieve? So get clear on, on the outcomes for you as an individual so that you can be, I guess, goal focused and, and clear on your own objectives. The second thing we talked about was empathy. And the third thing, I think individuals should use situations like this to start to understand their own triggers to different behaviours because whilst I would say it's near impossible to remain constructive in the face of really defensive leadership, you can learn about yourself in the process. So understanding what it is that's actually driving you to feel frustrated or and learn from it, right? So learn, this is an opportunity to learn what you won't do. They're kind of like the immediate things that I would do in order to manage in those situations. The second is to build, I guess, a network. Start looking at within the business for leaders or managers that emulate the types of behaviours that you want to work with and perhaps start to think about how you might nudge yourself over in, in their corner. I don't know if you want to build on that, Sean. Yeah, I mean, emotional resilience is an important part of this whole process and, and it's helpful in any circumstance for that matter. So, you know, and every obstacle lies an opportunity. So if you have a manager, a direct manager that is not that comfortable to work with or for, and you'll glean that there's not much you can do about it, then it's a good opportunity for you to learn something about yourself, as Liana has said, and, and really focus on what are my resilient strategies and what alternate strategies can I develop? Because I mean, life is, I mean, life is never simple, and it's never going to be simple, and don't ever fall into the fantasy of thinking it will be. So take it as an opportunity to learn something about yourself, to learn resilient strategies, and apply those because you'll probably need them again at some stage. Yeah, and try to role model what, what constructive could look like in the yeah. face of... 
so yeah, it's a role model for your yeah. manager. Yeah. That's that's really important. You you if you believe that you are constructive and this person is not, of course, there's always the possibility <laughs> that actually it might be his or her reaction to your behaviour that's causing the frustration. <laughs> so again, it's easy to look at the other person, but you should always look at yourself as well because every relationship, by definition, has at least two dynamics in it. But it, it is really a case of if you sincerely believe that you're constructive, then make sure that you look like you're constructive, that other people can observe what constructive behaviour looks like. And perhaps if you do get the opening opportunity to have a chat with your manager, you can then reference that. So you can say, you know, for instance, in last week's meeting, you did this. On the other hand, I was attempting to do that. And you never know, those opportunities rise when you least expect them. Yeah, I, I just want to build on that as well, Sean. It's sort of a, sometimes it helps to distance you know, if you want to give feedback to someone, distance the behaviour from the person. So, you know, I observed this type of behaviour. Have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Because often defensiveness, it's there for a reason where we're defending ourselves. And so there can be a lot of fear around being very direct in feedback. So where you have the opportunity to kind of just share that, try to separate it from the human. So we talked uh, a few podcasts ago a letter from our listener around a competitive teammate. And, and in that episode, we talked a lot about separating the facts from the story mm. because there's things she's observing and then she was putting yeah. a story over it, yeah. right, and, and treating that as the truth, which may or may not be, right? So yeah. and it could be, you know, you're reflecting your own behaviours back at yourself. Yeah, keep in mind it's a technical reality that I cannot accurately describe another person's behaviour. I can only accurately describe my perceptions of that other person's behaviour. And of course, my perceptions are coloured by my own pathology and uh, the psychological process of transference comes in very easily. You remind me of your of my father or mm. you remind me of my mother wow. or my brother who hit me too often when I was a little kid and all the rest of it. And so every human being is a very complex individual. Hopefully that's why we'll out-survive the robots. <laughs> <laughs> so as an individual then, it's really about, you know, if you're stuck in this situation, use it as a learning yep. point and about how you can build your own resilience and, and maintain your own constructive yep. Yep. centre. Yep. And grab every opportunity you can if the opening exists to uh, not necessarily give attacking feedback to that manager, but seek the opportunity, ask for the opportunity to be able to give that person some feedback. Mm. Don't just give it to them because they're going to resist, mm. but ask them if they'd like to hear some of it. And then give it, again, I come back to compassion you know, give it in a compassionate way because, again, they're probably not doing it on purpose. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So earlier you mentioned that that was the individual side yeah. of it, but that there's things that the organization can also be doing. So if you've got an organizational change underway and you've got some leaders, some managers who are perhaps resistant or, or not moving, what can you do to address that, Sean? Yeah, well, look, this is the good news part of this question at the beginning of this podcast is the organisation is going through a process of change and the organisation is changing. So one of the th practical things that several of our clients have learned that's worked really well for them is referred to as skip-level interviews or one-ups or one-downs, and that is where a direct report of mine has the opportunity to talk with my manager, so I get skipped as part of that process. And it's a formalised process, so it's not a case of my direct report wants to go and complain to the manager. The manager creates the opportunity for that person to talk to me to talk to him or her, and part of the questioning process is, and then you know, how are you finding Sean as your manager, and so that creates that opportunity. The other is, I mean, one of the biggest issues in this sort of having a defensive manager, in many respects, is not so much to do with the fact that they are defensive; it's to do with the fact that they won't listen to you. 
So you find it very frustrating when somebody just simply doesn't hear what you're trying to tell them and hear what you're trying to say. And so if the organization is going through a process of change, then listening should be a very important part of that. In our research in Great Company in 2006 and 2010, Professor Dexter Dunphy did the synthesis chapter on, he found that one of the important leadership characteristics of those organizations that had transformed their culture was, in fact, listening, and listening at the senior level. So there should be the opportunity for me, if I'm in that situation that we're talking about, to go to somebody else in the organization and say, my manager isn't listening to me. I'm not complaining about him. I'm not calling him or her an asshole or anything like that. I'm simply saying I'm getting frustrated because my manager is not listening to me. I need somebody to hear what I'm saying. So organizations create those opportunities in a number of different ways. And so how do you do that in a way? Because I can see that quickly going into it, either I'm just trying to nail my manager kind yeah. of thing. It's again, it's about being constructive. So if we're striving to create a constructive culture, nailing my manager by definition is not constructive, but saying I'm looking for somebody to listen to what I see as being a fear of mine is constructive. And of course, part of that listening might well be actually, Sean, you're exaggerating this issue and just having somebody listen to me and reflect back and say that may lead me to think, well, actually I am, you know, it's not that big a deal. Uh, And so I guess that's the thing about a constructive organization as well is that it is around feedback, yep. right? Direct. It's respectfully yep. straight. Yeah. It's not about sugarcoating and it's not about nailing yep. people. It's being yep. respectfully there's, straight. There's always the weighted out strategy, of course, as well, because what I have seen over the years is that the more an organization builds a constructive culture, and because humans are humans and we are what we are, there are managers within even the most constructive organizations that are not particularly constructive. But as the organization changes, these non-constructive managers find it increasingly more and more uncomfortable to be in that organization. And if they're not made redundant at some stage, they will choose to leave. And because the organization is beginning to reward constructive behaviors and it becomes part of the performance management system, these managers should, let's assume the organization is striving down a constructive road, then these managers should be getting feedback through the system like performance management that their behavior is not what it needs to be. I think that goes back to another earlier point about, you know, constructive is not about being nice, Yeah. right? And ultimately, an organization has to do what's best for the team, what's best for the organization. And, and I'm a big believer, and I think we're all big believers in giving everyone every opportunity to, to grow and develop and learn because everyone can. But at some point, if people aren't getting on, you know, aren't growing, aren't, aligned with where we're trying to go as an organization, then the best thing for the organization, the best thing for that team to perform is to actually manage them out of the company potentially. And that's not a nice thing, but it's the constructive thing. Well, I did a study once out of sheer curiosity. This was about 20 years ago. I was working with a fairly large organization, about 10,000 people, round figures. And over a period of time, they delayed the organization increased the size of the teams because they were working on a very narrow span of control kind of theory, which really wasn't relevant in the modern society. And uh, in that period of time, they would have made, uh, off the top of my head, something like about three or 400 managers redundant. And I was just curious because this was an organization that developed an outstandingly constructive culture. And uh, these managers would have gotten feedback through tools like the LSI on at least three to five occasions over the years. And so I posed the hypothesis for myself. I wonder if these three or 400 managers that got outed from the organization were actually significantly more defensive than the rest of the population in each of those times. 
And the answer to that was yes. It was really very interesting. It was So it's a classic case of if the organisation is, not just trying, but is becoming more constructive and you're not part of that journey and you are continuing to use defensive behaviours, then ultimately the organisation will recognise that and do something about it. It's um, one of those things as well where you, I think just to pick up on the earlier point, when organisations are going through change and to build on that, Sean, I think that those individuals at some level are becoming acutely aware of the fact that there is change happening. And in order for them to be successful, they have to shift and do something different to what they've done before. So you do need the support structures in place because, you know, as we know, having worked in, in this business, we do see people change with the right support and time to do that. And so you do need to give a bit of leeway for individuals to adopt to new ways of yep. doing things. But then ultimately you do find that people will either self-select out or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, the important point there, I think, Leanna, is that, you know, again, you've got to remember it's not about being perfectly constructive. Yeah. Mm. And so we strive to be constructive. We are constructive as we possibly can be. And part of being constructive is accepting that some people actually find it very difficult to be constructive. Mm. So again, I mean, compassion goes a long way. Mm. And I think that's the whole thing. It's like we're all trying to move this way and, hey, every so often you pitch your tent and yep. defensive, but as long as you don't build your house there, you're all right. Yep. And it's about moving things in that right direction. Yep. Great stuff, guys. So some of my takeaways from that conversation was around that there's kind of two parts to it, right? So if, if your company's on this change journey towards being constructive, you're on board, but perhaps your manager is not. At an individual level, a little compassion goes a long way. So try and understand, you know, maybe what's going on for that manager. They might be getting pressure from from the top or something like that and trying to understand um, really what's driving their behavior and, and understanding that it's your interpretation of their behavior as well. So being clear on what's fact and what's story. Recognizing your own triggers and therefore using the situation as a chance for you to develop your own resilience and and learn how to stay in a constructive space even when perhaps those around you are not, and then looking at yourself and really just using it as, okay, am I truly being constructive and this other person is not, you know, if I'm truly honest with myself, or is there something I can be doing better too um, and taking that into account. Yep. Then at the organizational level, we kind of talked about, so first of all, for organizations, you know, you've got to give everyone the chance to grow, develop, and learn and do that by supporting and giving them time. People don't just kind of change on a on a dime and change all their ways for yep. 30, 40 years. Yep. Overnight, you've got to give people time to, to grow and develop. Some practical tips to skip level interviews. So how can we get that listening? How can we get our view out about what's going on and therefore give people the chance to have those conversations that matter at that level? And some of it's just about, you know, being constructive may mean at some point, once you've given every, someone the chance to grow, the chance to develop, and they're still not getting on board, it may be a time when you have to manage those people out of the company. Absolutely. And if you're being constructive, that's an okay thing to do. You've got to do what's best for, for everyone to keep moving forward and to perform well. A very good illustration of that, and it's been in the public domain for some time, is Lion, uh, the old Lion Nathan, now Lion Co. talked extensively at our conferences over the years about their performance times behaviours, performance management system, or results time behaviours, I'm sorry. So I would be rated and scored and evaluated on my performance results, but I'd also be rated on my behaviours. And if the two didn't match, then there would be a serious discussion about that. Fantastic practical example that our listeners could pick up on. Thanks for that, Sean. And thanks, Liana, for your time today. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. 